Alrighty. Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of the St. Ambrose University College of Business podcast, otherwise known as Business Casual. I'm your host, Jared McClendon, and today I'm joined by two distinguished professors here at the university. So first we have Reverend Robert Grant, otherwise known as Father Bud. Hello. How are you doing, Jared? Doing well, doing well. Glad to have you here. And then we also have Professor Thomas Hosmanak, a professor of sales here at the College of Business. <coughs> yes. Hi. Hosmanak, yes. <laughs> Hosmanak, my apologies. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> so today uh, we are going to be starting off this first episode by discussing a very relevant topic here at the university, um, the recent developments with the metaverse and implementing that into higher education. So before we get into that, gentlemen, um, if you'd like, you can kind of talk about yourselves and your background and then maybe do a brief summary of uh, what you've been doing with the metaverse. And whoever would like to start, I totally up to you guys. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Father. All right, I'll go then. I'm Father Bud Grant. I've been teaching here for about 30 years, something like that. And I teach in the theology department, uh, specializing in environmental ethics, also do historical theology. And we run a thing called the Academy for the Study of St. Ambrose in Milan, also on campus, since we're the only St. Ambrose University in the world. So we have that going for us. And I've been working with um, virtual reality whopping two months I uh, just got certified uh, about a month ago and have already used it in the classroom twice. Nice, nice. Well, uh, as Jared said, my name is Tom Osmanic. I've been with uh, St. Ambrose uh, as a professor uh, since 2017. Um, I spent most of my life in the outside the ac academic world. I spent five years in broadcasting when I finished my undergraduate work and then uh, 33 years in sales at various levels uh, as a salesperson, a middle manager, and a top line manager. And so uh, I took early retirement and found out goofing off isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. So I did some other things and started uh, teaching here in the sales program. Uh, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't think of myself as a tech person not necessarily, but I've always been interested in when technology will allow us to do something better. In other words, not just using it because it's there, but you know, how will it improve um, student engagement, things like that. Uh, my son teaches at the University of Iowa and uh, he has some rather large classes, especially compared to Ambrose. And this was even prior to the pandemic, he was noticing that online, there wasn't as much engagement as there um, is, you know, in a face-to-face -face class. So he was doing some things with looking at uh, some virtual technology, augmented reality, uh, just different things. So, and this came along as an opportunity. I thought, yeah, well, why not? And I, I just finished my certification yesterday, actually. I had my final practicum. Congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. So I guess I guess that's a very good segue into my first question for you gentlemen, and it's relating to the engagement of the students with this technology and then utilizing it in the classroom. Um, 
how how exactly have you applied this to your curriculum in the courses that you teach? And what have you noticed with um, implementing this technology just this early on? Well, I, uh, uh, I used it in my environmental ethics class. And the way I did it was I created a virtual space in a prairie. They have a grassland, uh, very artificial, not particularly realistic looking. But um, I kind of stocked it with uh, an oak savanna that I designed myself. I put in some bison, some wolves, uh, a few elk, and even a herd of horses. Put in the sounds of thunder and the wolves howling and that sort of thing. And uh, first day, I moved my students into this this uh, artificial site and immediately lost all control of the situation from that moment. It was hilarious. It was a lot of fun. Students are incredibly adaptive. They immediately found the FX library, which... I should have shut off. So the next I know there are helicopters and airplanes and boats and dinosaurs roaming around my prairie or floating through the skies. <laughs> and uh, I eventually, to be really honest, I just surrendered <laughs> and let them play and adapt and get used to the technology. Uh, prior to their engagement, only three people told me that they'd ever used uh, VR before. But within minutes, and I mean minutes. They all had avatars. There was a princess. There was a guy with a crown on his head. There was a guy wearing a toga. They were uh, <laughs> doing all sorts of crazy things, moving around uh, and playing. So I learned very quickly that that was actually a good thing. It was so much fun to hear them laughing and chattering back and forth and engaging with one another the way they don't do, even though they they are in my classroom sitting side by side. Um, but uh, second class then, without too much prompting, I did uh, add a, a, a dire wolf, uh, which I stood next to me and threatened them with. But they didn't need it. They uh, got right into the educational experience. And, and uh, we were able to go on a virtual uh, field trip to watch a herd of bison migrating through a prairie and analyze that behavior. And then we engaged in a, um, a real prairie fire firsthand. So that was my experience so far. Okay. Uh, Tom, do you have anything to share about um, your experience with uh, implementing the uh, metaverse within your courses here at St. Ambrose? Or have you begun doing that yet? I'm, I think we talked about that briefly, but I'm not... <laughs> Yeah, I'm right on, on, on the threshold of it. Uh, basically, the certification that, uh, you know, we've both gone through, I think the way I looked at it, it enabled me to understand what's possible and what isn't. I mean, we're kind of being given a set of tools to construct different things. And in a business environment, it's a little different, I, I, I think, than it might be in the health sciences or the physical sciences. But I think I think we've got a good uh, a good chance at doing some good things. I may actually try to create some environments with uh, getting a th 360 camera to to do some things as well. But I've worked for the last three semesters with artificial intelligence in the classroom. Uh, we have uh, an interactive exercise that we work with AI powered bots. That sounds real 
highfalutin, but basically for students in my advanced selling class, they're able to interact on their phones where they spend a great deal of time anyhow living, I guess, uh, that they can interact with a potential buyer and and do role play exercises and gives them the immediate feedback, even a written transcript of what they've just discussed. Um, there's a national competition at the end of each semester they can participate in. So it's it, it's interesting. Um, and it really caused me to define what what VR, what AI can do, what VR can do, what AR can do. There's there's different things for for each of those. Um, I, I guess my first thing is kind of wanting to do what, what Father Grant talked about, which is constructing an environment to work within, I guess. So I've obviously the setting, I guess, that I would use, I would love to do it out in the prairie and maybe we will, but I, I, I think some of them would more likely be an office setting. Um, I want to do a 360 uh, video just within my vehicle. Uh, we can talk about, uh, you know, ride alongs and things like that. So yeah, it's your imagination is the limit, I guess. Well, and the technology uh, for it. Yeah. There are some limits to the technology. Like we're finding uh, a colleague of ours, Ethan Ganaway, has set up sort of a chat room for all of us who are using it so that we can share and swap experiences. And I think one of the general experiences that we're having so far is that uh, when you try to use one of those 360 videos or uh, the, or the 3D videos, um, the, our bandwidth apparently is not um, adapted to that. So the screen sort of freezes up and uh, I've just reverted back to using 2D in virtual reality, which is still, it, it still goes all the way around. There's a seam, but you can still see more or less 360 around. But uh, that's something that the university is going to have to deal with. And uh, also, they're going to have to, the, the, our suppliers or our, the, our, the people that we're working with are going to have to provide much better and more uh, resources um, for us to choose from, a, a bigger library, if you will, to choose from. Yeah, those are great observations. I stopped in and talked to Ethan yesterday and thanked him for, he's kind of started a Google Doc type thing for just sort of centralizing some of our observations, I guess. And it's, it, there are things that you learn that we definitely benefit from others, uh, errors uh, or others' learnings too, and obviously, we make errors as we go through it, but uh, it's fun, yeah. you know, and I, I don't think it's all just from a philosophical level. It's probably a good thing for teachers to be put into a learner mode once yeah. in a while so we can be more empathetic to the struggles that students go through in learning something new. I haven't worked this hard on anything since I got my PhD, I got to tell you. <laughs> it's, it, the learning curve was pretty dang steep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a slower curve and then I finally got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should also tell you, I did a survey uh, of my students after the, our first two sessions, just to get some feedback from them. And I mm -hmm. can, Jared, I can provide you a document of that if you'd like. Oh, uh, I would love that. The, the, the essential message back was this is useful as an ancillary to education. Even the students don't want it to be used 
uh, full time, they would not like that. I think COVID taught us that they really do like being with one another in real life. Uh, and not only because the technology still needs to make some progress, but because they want real engagement. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great observation because students, I think, felt the isolation that was going on with a lot of these things. Uh, I had printed out a sheet early on as I'm trying to kind of develop a lesson plan with, with VR. It's a whole different world in the sense of uh, you have to plan an environment, not just, you know, what topics you're going to teach and make sure you've got slides and things like that. And they had a, a chart in the manual they gave us that identified five things that <coughs> where VR would make a difference. And I think that speaks to what Father Grant was just talking about too. And they said scale can be important, obviously, if you're working with atoms and you can make an atom large and use it as an experiment uh, in a science lab. Perspective, uh, being able to get under and over large things. Uh, economics, um, uh, actually, I didn't know until we talked about this that we had a cadaver lab at Ambrose. But uh, <laughs> the economics of that, uh, are, are different in VR because it's unlimited. You don't have to buy uh, animals and humans and all those sorts of things. So, uh, and then safety, there's things you can do, um, especially chemical experiments, I guess, that's not an issue. And then finally accuracy where you need detailed measurements that it, it helps in research. But, uh, and, and to me, the economics thing kind of seemed to be the biggest peg that I could hang something on. And I thought economics of time in that there's certain things we want to do with, in my case, people in the business community and matching their schedules with my students in terms of things like a ride along or things like that just weren't doable. And I think VR may be uh, a way. So I'm sorry to go on long about it, but it's it's uh, I, I, I agree with Father Grant that. Uh, yeah, it, it, there are limitations, there are strengths, and, you know, if we can capitalize on the strengths while maintaining the quality of the overall, you know, educational experience. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that, those were wonderful, wonderful anecdotes about the technology itself and speaking on the experience with the students in the classroom. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the potential survey results, or I think you said, you mentioned you already took them, correct, Father? Father Bud? I don't, I don't remember if I have sent them to you, but if I haven't, I will. Okay, gotcha. Because I'm really interested to see how students are feeling with this technology and um, utilizing that in the classroom and then how exactly that's affecting their outlook on the overall education itself. Because like you had mentioned, like Tom mentioned earlier, um, because of um, COVID and having to isolate and being practically all online for a good chunk of 2020 um having this uh certain specific tech technology could potentially um hinder the education itself so i i guess this might this may be uh retreading topics you guys have discussed already but i guess where i want to segue into now is kind of talking about the technology um in the classroom do you feel that um how can i say this um, what sort of impact do you think this will have on the students' overall outlook of higher education in general, or maybe the accessibility that we will now have with this technology based on your uh, 
survey results or just just your initial reaction to the class? Yeah, I guess my first comment would be this. We have to go this way. Uh, this is really exciting and we're more or less on the front end of it. And it's got a long way to go, but we really have to engage with this. So that's the one side of it. The other side of it is uh, the students don't want it to replace uh, traditional learning. I have a note to myself. Uh, it says um, the human brain isn't evolving so quickly that we need to throw out all the ways of learning that we already have and replace it with this. But this is definitely going to be a good uh, ancillary, uh, at least, to what we're already doing. And I, I, would, I was talking with one of the educational experts that work with the company that we're working with. I was a little concerned that it was a lot of fun, but how educational was it? And a response right away, her response was, if they're more engaged, they're learning more and they're retaining it longer. There's all sorts of studies uh, to suggest that. And they certainly were engaged. And, and as a professor, I shouldn't admit that I've never heard laughter like that in my classroom or uh, <laughs> it, it was more fun than I am normally. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the videos that I watched, uh, YouTube video interviewed uh, professors from Morehouse College, which sort of pioneered this technology. I think they're into their fourth semester now using it. And they actually, during the pandemic too, had the ability to compare the same class being taught live in a classroom, uh, online, and then in VR. So they had three different media to look at. And I, I don't want to gen overgeneralize, but I think they were saying they found 10% higher, I don't know if it's engagement or grades improvement uh, through the use of VR. But but like Father says, I think that, um, you know, it has to be meaningful and it can't replace. It can, it can augment, I guess. It can be supplemental in a lot of good ways. I think uh, quickly some of those good ways might be uh, especially if you're recording the class uh, on a difficult topic, a student can go back and, and view it again, uh, participate in it again. Um, I, I think there will be some ways to make this more interactive uh, and and just allow people that need more time to, to maybe engage in something on their own, studying it. But yeah, I mean, I think we're social people and uh, I, I don't think we can you know, whole, make an entire move into the, the metaverse just yet. Right. I had uh, two students who uh, had some nausea problems with the, the VR, and uh, they both managed it. It wasn't disabling. They didn't have to leave the class or anything. But uh, it does remind us that whatever we do, we can't leave students behind either because mm -hmm. they do have that sort of physical reaction or um, eventually we now we now see laptops all the students bring laptops students have their phones they have their uh their their pads and eventually they're going to bring their um their screens in their their uh headsets in with them to the classroom and uh, that can't become an economic barrier to uh our students either so we're going to have to keep an eye on all of those things but I think it's those are just things that we can manage. Yeah, I, w I was doing a little online research last night on on that. We have at McMullen uh, a large number of Promethean boards in the classrooms, and 
it looks like there's a way to pair um, the, the Oculus headset that we use with a Promethean board. So for the students that maybe there could be issues with, you know, nausea or, or things like that, we could actually simultaneously uh, have them see it on a, a Promethean board in class, which would kind of remove that issue. So. Um, I guess based on some of the, uh, things that you guys mentioned earlier in the episode, um, relating to, um, the limitations of the technology in its current state, I guess this sort of is relating to what you could see as potential, um, improvements on the technology that you've seen in the classroom or just any sort of unseen or, um, untapped potential within the technology, um, what would you think would be uh, a good thing for maybe not, maybe the university to implement with this technology, but uh, what do you think could be um, added to this experience to make it more uh, fulfilling for students or fulfilling in the uh, higher education uh, world? I'd just say a couple of things. One is uh, our students, many of our students are playing these uh, high-end video games where the quality, <laughs> of the virtual experience is infinitely better than it is in our educational schools. So um, it's just a little bit like making them watch TV in black and white all of a sudden. So, uh, we're going we're to have to impress them more than we have now with the technology. Uh, the flips, or the, another angle on that is Dr. Ethan Ganaway, whom we both mentioned earlier, and I are discussing buying a 360 camera and taking it with us when we teach our course in Italy so that we can create our own library of 3D resources that we could come back and use in the classroom. And that that's one way that we can be sort of proactive and not wait for our partners uh, mm -hmm. to catch up with us. Yeah. I was laughing. We we had just uh, discussed that very item in class half an hour ago um, in, in connection with another AI thing. I've got some students in my sales management class that are testing, beta testing, uh, a new advanced version of this AI program that I discussed before. And I had I reminded them because I, I generally I have them do papers halfway through using the AI and the word frustrating is probably the word that's used the most. And then by the end of the use of that technology, they'll say, yeah, I got over this. This was fun. I'm glad you made us do this. Uh, and, and of course you wish that happened at the midpoint, but that's just the way learning works. Um, but I reminded them again because I did have a student say the exact same thing that he he talked about. They wanted better graphics, and um, the, the I mean, there, there's trade-offs too because even if the technology were here to give us better graphics, do we have the bandwidth to to handle that and to make things work at proper speed and that sort of thing? So, uh, and, and I don't mean to discount anything we're doing by that because, uh, as Father Bud said, we're still on the cutting edge, leading edge, at least uh, at Ambrose of of leading this, and it's well worth 
doing it when we, we talk about bugs and things it's not complaining it's just you know trying to figure out the path forward in an efficient uh, and effective way I guess and and I look forward to those times but yeah the graphics I guess on one hand I'm amazed how good the graphics are for this uh, but it is a little bit cartoonish as opposed to real being realistic but uh, when, when you're just trying to work all your buttons on your different things so you can pick up a beach ball in the middle of the quad there, uh, you know, in, sort of early on, you think it's marvelous you can accomplish that. And then by the end, you're amazed at how far you've come creating environments and, uh, and things. And I, I watch some of the videos used by other universities within the platform we, we use called Engage, and it's being used at Oxford University quite a bit in different way as a professor there did something on cats and their effect on the ecology of an island and there's just cats all over this library that she's talking you know and things are appearing and and, and so on so yeah so so and i think maybe our minds are moving ahead of what the technology might be but it'll catch up you know i just have a silly anecdote i tried to put a deer a white-tailed deer into my prairie and it, uh, when you're holding it up in the air, it's leaping and moving its head. But when I set it in the grass, it falls over and dies and its tongue sticks out. So some tech guy. Oh, my gosh. Had a <laughs> what do I do with a dead deer? So I put it in the middle of the herd of wolves or the pack of wolves because it seemed to the place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and oh, go ahead, go ahead, Tom. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, we'll find more uses, uh, even if some of them are by accident, you know, for this. So I'm, I'm very optimistic on it, and uh, you know, I, I think sort of our task was initially to develop, I don't know, was it three, four classes using this, and you know, I'm looking forward to doing that and and, and applying it. Um, Whatever, you know, I mean, engagement is what we want to do. And I guess within also the bounds of realizing, like I say, we're, we're humans. And the quote that Father Bud had about, you know, people just wanting to engage that way. Yeah. Well, on that note, I want to ask you guys one final question. And it's relating to the experience that the students are getting out of this. What do you hope that the students are able to take away with us implementing this new technology within the classroom? I know you spoke earlier about how um, this this is probably one of the um, most uh, rewarding experience for you guys because um, of the laughter that you saw within the classroom and how um, it's been more maybe more engaging for the students. What are you hoping to see with this in the future? Um, let me re rephrase the ending of that. What do you hope to see um, the students take away from this now that we've implemented this within the curriculum. Well, I think that you have consequences that you intend or that you hope happen, but sometimes what's more satisfying uh, are the unintended consequences, the things that you see. And one thing that I am expecting to carry over to VR from the AI work that we've been doing that was unintended was I had a young lady who uh, 
when we did role play, uh, she was kind of shy about doing role play in class. And when we went to the VI thing, uh, the, the AI thing that they did on their phones by themselves, and she wrote in a paper, uh, I really like this because I find myself in class <coughs> being a bit shy because I'm worried about being judged. So when I do this with the bot, on my own, I don't have that fear. And in her words, I put myself out there more. And not only did that help her develop, she actually went on to to engage uh, as a teammate in some of the intercollegiate uh, sales competitions that we did and did quite well. And I kind of thought, wow. And, and that was never the intention. But uh, again, as I talked about earlier about being a learner, uh, fear is part of being a learner. And if you're talking about what can we achieve in the future, some of these things may mitigate or, or, or address fear in doing new things. And if it does that, you know, that's a good consequence. Yeah, I absolutely go along with that. And again, uh, repeating what something you said earlier, Tom, about how the students watching the professor flail around and try to you know, how <laughs> it's, uh, it's a humbling experience when you're doing that live and uh, virtually live in front of all these kids but um those aside including those included and, and really emphasized i do think one of the things that it, it allows us to go someplace we couldn't otherwise go or not cheaply or not easily or not quickly uh, and it allows us to immerse ourselves in something so that it's one thing to talk about a prairie fire. It's another thing that, that they're standing there with a real live person, uh, in this case happened to be one of my best friends, who is uh, talking about a prairie fire and why did they burn it. And, and then in real time, the, the wind shifted on him and he was explaining how they're having to adapt to this new situation. So the students are experiencing, experiencing this in real time. And uh, that is really phenomenal. Alrighty. Well, gentlemen, um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come meet with me and record the very first episode for this podcast. I appreciate that quite a bit. And on that note, I think we will end the episode. So thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Um, be sure to check us out on our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and TikTok. And I hope that you tune in for our next episode, To Be Determined. And uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Thanks, Jay. Okay. Thanks for having us.